0: So we're in Matthew 25 today, and in this chapter, Jesus is still in a sustained uh, teaching section that, be- that began in the last chapter, where he is still stressing again the suddenness that will characterize his second coming. This chapter is sort of bookended with teaching on the second coming. It begins with the fact of his second coming and ends with a, sec- a section concerning what will take place at the time of his second coming. And in between is a section on what we should be doing in the meantime. So let's think about some things we can note in this chapter. I'll just mention three. And just to reiterate, because it's I want to I communicate to you what is often the main points of this chapter, and this is it. Jesus' return will be sudden. And Jesus will return suddenly. So he opens chapter 25 with another parable emphasizing the readiness required of us for the second coming. And the parable presents uh, ten virgins or bridesmaids going to, according to verse 1, going to meet the bridegroom. The backdrop of such a scene would be part of the events of a typical Jewish wedding ceremony. In that day, before the ceremony, the groom and his friends would go over to the bride's house where the ceremony would take place. After the ceremony, often at night, requiring lamps for light, everyone would return to the groom's house for a celebration. Jesus' parable here apparently picks up after the ceremony when everyone was returning to the groom's house to wait for him to arrive. Because it was at night, the people would not only need to make sure to have their lamps for light, but also bring with them enough oil to keep them lit for the entire time. To set up the main point of Jesus' parable here, half of them brought enough oil and half of them did not. When those who didn't bring enough oil realized that they were running out, they had to go to try to find some more. And while they were gone, the groom returned and they missed out on it, verse 10. So what's the point here? Well, he is emphasizing again, as he did in the last chapter, how important it is to be ready and to be prepared for his return. This is all the more important because of the unknown hour of his, his return. He says in verse 11, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The sudden nature of the second coming of Christ requires his followers to be ready at all times, since any time could be the time that he comes. We need to be reminded of that again and again. In the last chapter, Jesus likened the second coming of uh, the nature of the second coming, to the days of the flood in the days of Noah, That back in chapter 24, verses 36 through 39. And there, in chapter 24, verse 38, he stressed that, quote, in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, they were simply carrying on life normally as if nothing were about to happen. They were caught unaware. And Jesus says, don't be like that. He's telling us once again, Here in chapter 25, to be ready, make sure we have made the proper preparations. can't say that twice. Proper preparations and be ready for his coming. Well, how do you do that? How do you be ready for the coming of the Lord? That's the second thing I want us to think about. Uh, Because that's what Jesus does. Having urged his disciples and his other hearers again to be ready when he comes again, he proceeds, beginning in verse 14, to tell another parable emphasizing how to be ready for his coming. The parable has to do with a wealthy man who goes away on a journey leaving a measure of property to be used wisely, according to verse 14. The man goes away on his journey and upon his return calls upon the servants to give an account of what they have done with what they were given, that's in verse 19. Well, the first servant doubled the property entrusted to him, verse 20. The second did likewise, verse 22, but the third did nothing, according to verses 24 and 25. The first two were praised and rewarded for their faithfulness in 21 and 23, while the third was scolded and sent away for punishment. What I I want you to notice is one phrase that appears early on in the parable in verse 15. When the master was distributing the property to the servants, it says that he gave, uh, quote, To each according to his ability. In other words, he tailored their responsibilities to their abilities. Uh, He did not lay on them burdens that they could not handle. And Jesus is telling this parable, obviously, as an illustration of what we are to be about as we wait for the sudden return of the Lord. To state it simply, be about the work that he has given you to do, be faithful with what he has entrusted to you until he comes. Verse 29. When you go to work, work as unto the Lord, as the Scripture says. Don't neglect meeting with the church and actively participating in the life of the church. Be fishers of men, Matthew 4, 19. In other words, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Martin Luther famously said, love God and do as you please. That sounds reckless, but he was confident in saying that because he knew if you really love God and you understand who He is, and you really love Him, then what pleases Him is what will please you. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you'll be ready when He comes. Finally, what will happen when He comes? That's the ending of the chapter. Jesus ends the chapter explaining what will happen when He comes, and what will happen is the final judgment. Uh, Some understand Revelation twenty verses one to six to teach that there will be a period of a thousand years after the return of Christ before the final judgment. Um, others don't take that that view, and both are both both teachings are well represented in the mainstream of uh, evangelical Christianity. So it's uh, not a matter of orthodoxy, but I, I don't take that interpretation of Revelation twenty partly because uh, interpreting Revelation is so notoriously difficult, and mainly because of passages like this in Matthew 25. From Jesus' own mouth, we learn that at the moment of his return, he will, quote-unquote, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him for the final judgment. At that time, he will separate the sheep, that is, believers, from the goats, that is, unbelievers. Both groups are judged on the basis not only of their profession of faith, but ultimately on the lives that they lived and the actions they performed during their lives. In other words, they are to be judged on the basis of the evidence of their faith in their lives, not merely what they profess to believe. This is no different than what he already said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. So to sum, sum it all up, when Jesus returns suddenly at a time when no one expects there will not be an opportunity to make up for lost time whatever time we waste is gone never to come back so let's make most make the most of the time that the lord gives us now, there's an old hymn that says we'll work till jesus comes i mean that's an old old hymn but in a simple phrase that's the truth we'll work till jesus comes that's matthew 25